everybody, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comics. I'm your host, Maddie. And I'm Andrea. <laughs> and we have the amazing Xander Cannon. That sounds like a name that is just like meant to be on loudspeakers everywhere. Xander, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you guys? We're good. We're so happy to have you on here. You have an amazing series called Kaiju Max, which... I thought was like about kaiju fighting each other in some sort of a death battle battle ring situation, and is actually about a prison. So, like, kind of almost the same. <laughs> kind of almost the same, yeah. yeah. Can you tell us about what inspired the comic? Um, well, yeah, actually, I was uh, I was working with a friend of mine. Uh, we were like, we we were going to do a side project, both of us, and uh, and he was like, yeah, let's do something really weird and off the wall, and like, and. And so he this is Ryan Brown, who does uh, God Hates Astronauts and Curse Words. Um, and he has a really sort of, you know, grotesque sort of monstery style. And so I had kind of been, you know, I, um, when my son was little, I used to watch a lot of monster movies with him just, you know, because it was fun and weird and, you know, not the usual thing. And so uh, I, you know, I had internalized a lot of monster movie stuff. So I wanted to do a monster movie thing, but I just kind of wanted to do what they're up to when they're not doing the stuff that they do in the movies you know and uh and so i thought oh well with that and with what ryan does well it's like we could do something that's that's like what you know what's the daily lives of these monsters and you know like oh it's on monster island or are they in a bar or like you know what what's their reason for all being together and um and then you know and then it's like, you know, the, the horns, the little devil horns come out of my head. And I think, oh, what if they're in a horrible, like, what if they're in like HBO's Oz? You know, what if they're in like the worst, <laughs> the worst scenario? And and from there, you know, like, I mean, in a way that's just, it's just sort of like an X plus Y, you know, mashup type of comic. Like, like in this, you know, five, 10 years ago, that's all there was, you know, Dracula fights Sherlock Holmes <laughs> or whatever. And so... <laughs> I wanted to make it a little bit different. I mean, I, I wanted to sort of like hit all the beats, you know, hit all the jokes, but, uh, but then make it, but I, yeah, I guess my own sort of my own personality made it so that it's like, Oh no, I have to make it super sort of grim and depressing. <laughs> or, or not, not depressing. I mean, it's depressing, but it's also like, it is a just, just, yeah. Like, like um, subversive in that way. Like that. It's not just sort of like, here's all the gags and we're out, you know, it's, it's, I wanted it to stick with people and you can only, cause you can only do gags for so many issues before people are like, I got it. <laughs> yeah. It needs to like matter to people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, I, you know, the, the, the first season was six issues. I'm sure I could have gotten through that on, on gags alone, but, but I wanted, I don't know why, but I wanted to keep going, <laughs> keep going. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to really do have a lot of, story and a lot of characters and a lot of depth you know a lot of follow-through you know and and sort of create a world so uh so yeah so it's so it's very sort of uh became it became more it became more important to me i think you know just like let's make something let's make something that sort of mimics uh, that talks about other things it doesn't just talk about you know the godzilla movie that came out last year that talks about <laughs> it talks about you know what what pow- what it means to have power or what it means to be powerless or what it you know that addiction and all that stuff because i'd never i'd never sort of presume to do a a real a real 
prison drama, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I don't yeah. have that kind of experience. I don't have that kind of, uh, you know, I'm a middle class white guy who has <laughs> never gone to prison to, you know, and that's just the start of it, you know? Well, so. I mean, you're also not a giant kaiju. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, so, I yeah. mean, you know, you're not exactly writing from experience here, but, <laughs> yeah. but do you right, feel but, like you but, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I was thinking neither, neither does anyone else. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Nobody can really rank you on that. Right. I was going to say, like, do you ever pull from your own stories, like your own, maybe your own little mini adventures with your son? Because, like, the protagonist is a father, correct? Like, do you ever, like, well, put yourself yeah, and in I think mentality that... of dad? Yeah. And I mean, when, when I started, he was, you know, my son was probably six. And so I, you know, and I have the protagonist have like, you know, kids who are, who are sort of that age or a little, you know, a little older, a little younger. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's like when you're going to tell a story that's, that's frightening or that's, you know, stressful or that's, you know, thrilling in some way, you're going to draw upon your own fears. And so, you know, it's like, oh yeah, well, I mean, being separated from your children and not knowing if they're okay, you know, that's certainly something that's, that you're going to play into. And I mean, you know, again, it's like you, I've got gag after gag after gag, you know, like, oh, there's a, somebody's piloting a submarine and you pan out and you realize, oh, it's a, it's a, um, a, a cavity search, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's like, there's gag after gag after gag. And so it's like, well, you need something else to sort of hang your, your drama on, you know, because again, it's like the, the gags, the gags will get old after a while. Um, Believe yeah, me. To that to that <laughs> to that point, you know, what do you hope that people get out of it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't go into it saying like this is my tirade or this is my sort of like lecture to the world because it, because again, it's like I, who am I to who am I to say? But I did want to sort of say like, you know, I'm kind of I'm you know uh, sort of plugged into what's happening in sort of you know like the, the public discourse in terms of prisons and like sure. the prison industrial comp. I mean, that's a, I mean, it's a pretty mm-hmm. grim thing, but I also think, you know, you don't want to get too specific with it because of obviously with this absurd premise, you can't go into the sort of the, the nitty gritty, you know, yeah. of all that stuff. And so it's really, you know, it's really just sort of about, you know, how like, how like uh, the wire was like, okay, well it's, here's the Baltimore drug scene, but really it's just about, everybody being in a totally corrupt system and everybody kind of trying their best and who succeeds and who fails and who, you know, who tries, tries something to make something better and just makes it, you know, it makes it worse, that kind of stuff, you know, it's just, just a, just a terrible scenario where you can kind of have a, a whole complement of characters who can sort of take yeah. one, one version of it well, or the other. So when I think that it's so interesting, cause something like this, which, you know, as you said, on its premise can just kind of be fun and full of gags and full of, um, you know, not a whole lot of, of harder, more difficult content. But at the same time, you look at like, I'm a big Trekkie and I love Star Trek. And there's so many comics that that take a fantasy world and use it as an allegory for real life and can actually get away with so much more that way. Because it's like, oh, well, it's just kaiju. It's just monsters, you know dealing with their yeah. prison life like it's all pretend but because of that yeah. you can use it in ways that you couldn't if you were just writing about people oh absolutely and i mean i think that you you know the and the, and the all pretend i mean that all pretend sort of like shield that you have mm-hmm. would be really useful because you yeah. can sort of say you can kind of slip in a lot of stuff i mean star trek got away with stuff 
years before it was on sort of like Mm -hmm. a mainstream, you know, type of uh, drama. And, you know, I think that that, uh, I think that that, you know, again, and and it's like, uh, it's my way, it's my way in too, because I can Mm -hmm. kind of, and I can manipulate it. I mean, in in a way too, like it, it helps you sort of like get a lot across in a shorter amount of time because, mm, you know, yeah. if you're telling a real prison story, well, you know, some scenario might take months and months and months and months and months to account, you know, accommodate. And I can just sort of say like, oh, well, there's a time dilation tool or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> exactly. And so you can kind of, and so you can kind of be a little cartoonish about it and get, get your point, get your point across or put your character in the right scenario a little bit faster. Mm. Yeah. Like I think, you know, how you said it, you had a very poignant with, like, issue in regards to, like, what's happening right now in the United States about, like, having, being a dad and, like, having that fear of never, you know, like, what do you do with your kid? Like, that fear of not seeing them again. And it's, like, very big right now. And also, I think, like, how you so lovingly put it, it's that, like, you have the gags, but that's such a great way of, like, reeling us in. And being able to be like, oh my god, this is so funny, and you just get immersed, 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 and then you like, bam! Like, there's your your the heart <laughs> right. to it, you know, a little like, gut punch. Like, yeah, like uh, like eat like South Park. Like, you know, I love that show. And like, there's episodes where I'm like, oh my god, this is so dumb, this is so dumb, and then in a second snap, you're like, oh, I get it. And I yeah. think that's what you do, you know, with your stories it's like you really know how to reel people in with the gags and the jokes and you know it's so fantasy and then you can like maddie said you can really see the allegory of the real human fear and the real like universal consciousness of emotion yeah well and i and i think too like you don't have to it's fun to sort of have a character that you can identify with who's literally nothing like you, you know, a <laughs> giant, you know, whatever, a giant insect monster, or a tw- twin giant, uh, like, uh, humongous creatures that rap all the time. I mean, you know, like something, <laughs> somebody that's not like you at all, but it's in a fun, like, it can be fun to sort of say like, oh, well, in this, in this one particular way, the only way that matters for this story, it's this character is just like you, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, and I, I, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm reluctant to make, to make a lot of that because I kind of think the, the main goal here is to tell a, you know, to tell an engaging story, to tell a page turner, you know what I mean? And that's, you know, because you don't want to, I mean, nobody likes to be lectured and nobody likes to be sort of talked down to or, or told what to feel. And so I, I like to just sort of say like, oh, well, this is a thriller or whatever, you know, or this is a, this is a sad romance or whatever each issue or each season is, but the, um, but uh, it, and that's what I'm mainly trying to do. And if I can hit those beats, well, then I can kind of also sneak in, a, you know, this or that, that, that makes you kind of go on, oh, you know, Oh, that, yeah, that says the- a lot about this thing, or this says about a lot about parenthood or that says a lot about sort of loyalty or friendship or, you know, a- addiction or whatever. Yeah, it's that mm-hmm. fine line between, you know, still having fun and having a little bit of escapism while also telling a powerful story, which I think that you right. navigate really well. Right. I think I love it when people tell me they're like, oh, I read the last thing and it's like it was it was disgusting and it was sad and it was hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like and, and it's like I didn't know what the feeling was. It was all three of those feelings all smushed together. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's perfect. Is the, if whatever the German <laughs> word for that is, I love it. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Right. So how originally did you get into comics? 
Oh, well, uh, <laughs> let me take Tell you back to the dawn story. of time. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, so I started in, I started in 1993. So that was sort of like the, the dawn of the sort of the image era. And yeah. so, uh, and so it was kind of like accepted, like it was sort of the accepted strategy of a lot of, a lot, a lot of, uh, publishers to kind of gamble on newcomers because because Jim Lee was so young and, and because uh you know Rob Liefeld was so young and all those all those image guys were all kind of in their 20s and just going and like you know and making comics that were selling whatever a million copies or whatever they were and uh and so I was in college uh and I just started you know I started sending out uh the comic strips that I've been doing for this the school paper back when there was mm-hmm. a school paper and uh and so um, they weren't particularly good, but that, you know, I tried to do like, oh, this one's like, you know, a noir and this one's a superhero thing. And this one's like a, an action thing. This one's a haunted house. So I was trying a lot of different styles and I just got lucky because there's a publisher uh, called New England Comics Press uh, who published The Tick way back. Uh, they they uh, said, well, you want to do a, you want to do a series? I'm like, uh, OK. And so I wrote I wrote it, penciled it, lettered it, colored it. I inked it. I mean, like everything. I didn't color it. It was black and white. But uh, <laughs> it was called the Chainsaw Vigilante. And yes, um, <laughs> yeah. When, and so anyway, it was. Uh, you know, I, that was that was how I got started. And and it only ran for a couple issues. It got canceled. It wasn't. It wasn't a very good comic. <laughs> I didn't do a very good job. I was very young. But uh, but that that got you know got me going on other stuff. I did a uh, creator owned book called uh, The Replacement God uh, in mm. the mid nineties. Um, I did that for a while and I worked on uh, top 10 with uh, Gene Ha and Alan Moore. And so that was the thing that sort of put me in, sort of anchored me into the comics world, sort of got my phone calls answered from, you know, <laughs> from that point forward. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, um, yeah. just how, cause that's why people would hear, would under, would hear my name and go, Oh, I know who that guy is. Um, and so, and then everything since then, I mean, I had a bunch of years where I did a lot of sort of stuff outside the comic industry. I did a lot of uh, uh, like educational um, comics about paleontology, about physics, about uh, uh, philosophy and rhetoric. And, uh, you know, we're doing actually Kevin Cannon, who's not related to me, but (laughs) has been my studio mate for years and years. He and I are just now doing the third edition of a a book about rhetoric that we did years ago, a comics textbook um that's so, so cool is it really different doing you know a comics textbook like how does that work yeah i mean well we did a lot of mass market like nonfiction stuff which was interesting yeah. in its own right but then this is another step another further step because it's like it's super vetted by a bunch of people and like you know it's being written by it's it's not being written by sort of uh comic book writers is being written by academics and so there was a lot more what was interesting about it is that there was a lot more leeway because they knew that like okay we got these writers coming in and they they have a they have a sense for the language of comics but they're but we're going to depend on you guys us guys um to sort of to sort of take the script and run with it and kind of make the decisions about like Oh, this panel should be big. This panel should be small. We're going to, we're going to take it from this point of view. And I suggest this extra line, you know, as a transition. And, um, and so that was, and that was really interesting because it was, it took you, I think, especially when you start having things like, like rhetoric or when we're talking about things like scientific stuff that you have to visualize stuff. Like uh, we would always kind of try when we were doing all these nonfiction things, we were really kind of always trying to avoid doing, um, 
either historical ones or uh, uh, or like adaptations of like classic literature. Because that sort of stuff is just like, it's just retelling it. But we really like the ones where it's like, oh, you need to like draw sort of a graph and a visualization of what like, you know, Aristotle's, you know, uh, ethos, pathos and logos mean. You know what I mean? And so that, like uh, a challenge is what you're saying. Great. Yeah. It's stuff that was a little bit more, I wouldn't say heady, but but just a little bit more, um, uh well, just just non-physical, like it was just a little bit more uh, conceptual that you kind of have to work it out. Yeah, work it all out um, instead of trying to caricature the right, you know, the, the person from this story, which I'm terrible at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, though, and I feel like is that kind of a growing area of of learning and of books because I feel like people do connect with comics in such an interesting way, and especially for as you're saying these things that you kind of have to visualize in different ways and it's easier to understand when you have an image along with text. Um, that's a yeah. really cool way to use comics. Yeah. And I think that people are starting to understand that comics are not just like, they're not just like pictures for dum-dums. You know what I mean? Like they're not, <laughs> people they're, can't read. That, that, I mean, that you, that we read co- versions of comics all the time. We read Venn diagrams. We reread like sort of uh, flow charts. We read, I mean, like diagrams, when they're sort of integrated into comics can really sort of tell you what's, you know, can really help you instead of when you're like reading a wall of text and then they're like, see figure, figure B and then look over at this diagram. There's a disconnect there, but when you can integrate it into comics and when you can start, you know, start using those sorts of things and maps and, and, and uh, guiding people's eyes around the page for visual learners, which, you know, are not, are not sub, you know, are not lesser than any other kind of learners, although what they have long been felt that, you know, people long have treated them that way. I, yeah. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a really important, it's a really important change. Um, you know, I, and I, think, yeah. I think people kind of hit it at different levels. Sometimes it's just like, well, this is for our low, you know, this is, this is for our lower readers and that's important too. Um, you know, and then, but then this one is a, is a visualization of these concepts, which are hard to explain in words. So I, I think that I think I mean I think that comics are are now like they have a status with a with a younger generation that they never had with people in my parents' generation or even in my generation a little bit you know people in my yeah. parents' generation were like oh Donald Duck to teach you how to you know <laughs> whatever like read Shakespeare no thanks but um, but I think now people are starting to be like. Oh yeah, I read you know all of Raina Telgemeier's books. I'm I'm ready to learn with comics. Absolutely, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I think I think that's so awesome because I used to work with a lot of special ed kids, you know, and a lot of them, it was very hard for them to be in a classroom and be able to just hear a lecture and just hear a teacher talk. And I think like what you said is so important that like a lot of it's a lot of like using art in a way to educate and it's so important to be able to you know show like give all kinds of people different ways of teaching or like learning because I took my AP exam and I had to know about pathos logos and ethos and all that and it's like a harder concept and you're like ah but like to have something visual and something fun and something attention grabbing really makes a difference and I like I love the fact that you like ventured into like educational comics, you know, in a, in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
I mean, and it's yeah, and and visual learn visual literacy is so much more important now than it ever used to be in terms of like what we're you know what we're seeing all the time you know on on the internet and on TV and all this sort of stuff. It's so important to know to to be able to sort of like parse out images just as well as you can with words. Anyway, yeah, it's a, I I think it's really fascinating. But I also got <laughs> I also got tired of being like kind of so responsible about it, and so I was like, <laughs> Let me just now I'm doing my monster prison book. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be stupid and weird you're like I'm done with these molecules <laughs> like... well right. and uh, Kaiju Max is through Oni Press yeah. and how is it for you to have I mean what it's five uh, books now um, uh, I'm working on the fifth book and I, there will be a sixth book so uh, that's awesome yeah so it'll be 36 ish like comic book issues that's then, amazing. And so how does it feel to be creating such a long standing? You know, obviously people are loving it. You're still making it. Um, what is it like to do that within, you know, one of the larger of indie comics publishers? Um, and then also, though, to own your own story. And I mean, you do the art and you write it. So how is that experience for you? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I was really reluctant to to do the writing and art and color and letters and da, 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 da. like <laughs> it's a lot like, of pressure. So it's, it's a lot of pressure. And but it's also like it's also one of those things, too, where you're like, I mean, the reality just kind of sinks in right away. They're like, OK, so what do you want to do? You want to write and write in pencil. So we'll need to find an anchor, a colorist and a letterer. Um, oh, all those people cost money. And basically, mm -hmm. you know, and basically, and that money can't, you know, it isn't like they cost a percentage of what it's going to make. They cost money, like straight up money. And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know that we got that kind of money to start with. So um, what if we don't do that? And I just, <laughs> I just do everything. You know, so I so oh, OK, well, I'll ink it. OK, well, I'll letter it. OK, well, I'll color it. And I mean, all that sort of stuff is possible because it's just like, well, I, you know, I, I, we wouldn't have been able to this this series would be long over if if uh if it had the that kind of overhead um mm. and so for me to say oh i'll do everything then we can kind of you know we can work out a page rate that is on the low end for even for this this uh company but you know i end up owning everything and it goes it goes to you know it uh, goes into the black easier you know like we yeah. we can uh it, it can go and, and get uh, royalties a little bit faster. So has that been a know. really big challenge for you? Um, yeah, it has. And I, because this is the first time I've done more than, you know, uh, I really learned how to, it was like coloring boot camp, you know, mm -hmm. because I knew how to color, but I was only coloring like one illustration at, at a time. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, like a page is like five illustrations <laughs> and then a comic is 22 pages. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you got to do those fast. And so I, I work with a, I work with a, a color assistant uh, named Jason Fisher, um, uh, who he's this super talented cartoonist. And uh, and so he he will send back fl uh, flats. I mean, there's there's such a thing as someone who just does flats. And so they just sort of select all the areas. But he actually has you know re reads the comic knows what color all the characters are and so he sends me back all these all the the characters like in the right colors and so i'm mm -hmm. just sort of saying like oh okay well here's a a yellow cast on everything and, I'll, and then i'll render out all the shading and all that sort of stuff and let me paint this and you know i'll do the finals but he he gives me something that is so much easier to work with you know that awesome. that like that i can kind of i can kind of make the executive decisions instead of having to make every tiny little decision does that make sense 
Yeah, absolutely. So shout out to Jason. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Jason. Oh, I mean, yeah, I after one time he couldn't do it because he was because he was out of town or something like that, and somebody else had to do it. And they did a fine job, but but I was just like, oh my god, I just realized how good Jason is like, <laughs> because he know just because he knows everything and like he knows all these characters and he knows how to do it and like it keeps it really consistent and I'm like oh my god you know welcome back when he came back I'm like I didn't really hug him because he lives like a thousand miles away from me but I was like hey, welcome back <laughs> <laughs> I missed you Jason that's amazing that's so cute. I have a quick question so like I can like hear like it's it's awesome to hear your enjoyment and like you can really hear in your voice the love like what advice do you give people who were in your situation you know in the 90s who were like starting up and you know maybe sometimes are a little discouraged and like how do you I guess like what what are your words for them to keep on trucking and to keep on you know powering through in a way where they can become you know the next you they can you know be with Oni Press and they can you know work yeah. with a bunch of other people like what would your words of advice be well and i mean part, part of it is just like you know you gotta fig- you gotta figure out a way to not to not need that much money <laughs> you know what i mean part, you know part of it is comics like, you, know, you get in it for the money you stay in yeah. it for the money <laughs> oh boy yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, and, 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 uh, it's funny cause it's like every, you know, every indie public and every indie comic book artist is sort of like, they always kind of have a secret of how they have money. Oh, they're, they're married to someone who's a doctor or, oh, they're, you know, like they, uh, they live at home with their parents. Very rich is uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Or they, or they live in, you know, <laughs> they live in rural Kansas or something, you know, like, and so, I mean, there's a, there's a, and I think that that's a little ugly in that because there's so much privilege wrapped up into it. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times people have family money and so they can kind of like wait it out for the 10 years that it takes to kind of create, you know, get your skills to where they need to be and all that stuff. But I mean, but from a, from a, like a goals point of view, like I remember starting to realize like, like when I was working on top 10, uh, with Gene Haas. So you know what Gene Haas art is like. I mean, it's photorealistic. It's ab- it's crisp. It's perfect. His architecture is mm-hmm. just like spot on. I mean, it's just, he he's like, he takes that sort of like mainstream superhero thing and then just kind of cranks up the realism about, you know, about 30%. And it's just, it's, it's gorgeous. But I can't do that. And I, and I was, and I was really kind of struggling with the fact that I couldn't do that. Like I, I there's so many things I was, I was so focused on all these things I couldn't do, you know, I was trying to get work with DC. I was trying to, I was trying to write for DC. I was trying to draw for DC. And I just, I didn't, I didn't have any of the, they didn't have what they wanted. You know what I mean? And I think that at a certain point you have to realize what do you have that people want? And Mm. a lot of times what you, and I mean, that was when the, the rise of the internet to sort of, to put people, you know, people, readers and creators together and go like, this is a terrible comic. And there's no, and, and nobody would ever accept it as a publisher, but these people love it. And I mean, and I, I shouldn't have said terrible because it's like there's examples like like Homestuck, which isn't which is so idiosyncratic and so peculiar. Yes. And it found this readership that that you would never ever have found if you had to go through a couple gatekeepers. You know what I mean? And so yeah, it's true. Um, 
I mean, the same thing with same thing with Raina Telgemeier. She wouldn't have she wouldn't have made it through the lobby of Marvel Comics. You know what I mean? Like her mm-hmm. art style. She's a wonderful artist, but she but she couldn't. They're like we cannot put you on Spider Woman. It's just impossible. But she's the best selling comic creator in the United States. You know, like it's mm-hmm. because she creates this thing that that connects directly to readers, and and you know other people have found that pipeline. And so I think that you have to realize, what do you do? Like, what do you do naturally? You know, and, and I, and I had to kind of, I had to kind of uh, do a bunch of stuff. Like the thing that, that made people pay attention to me as a, as an author, you know, as a writer artist was a book called Heck. And it was my book right before Kaiju Max. And what I, and that was something that I did very quickly. Like uh, I did, I mean, I did over several years, but I was doing it very I was doing every page very fast. So it has a really rough sensibility to it. And it was just, and it was the same sort of thing as Kaiju Max in a way, whereas it's an absurd premise. This guy has a portal to hell in his basement. Why and so not? He goes, and so, yeah. And so he, he delivers letters to people in hell from, you know, from their, their loved ones and stuff. And he has a little That's mummy amazing. sidekick. And so it's an hmm. absurd, absurd premise. And, uh, but, but then because I was working on it so fast, I ended up putting in all of this melancholy and all of this sort of like grimness. And, <laughs> and I started to realize, oh, okay, so this is what I bring to it. This is the natural thing that I bring to it, this grimness, this sort of like uh, melancholy, this sort of sadness, um, this wistfulness sort of thing. And, um, and so I, that, that was the thing that made me kind of go, oh, all right, okay, so that's what's different about me. What can I do to... Uh, you know, what can I do to balance that? What can I do to, to showcase that, um, that kind of thing. And so, and so actually when I did Kaiju Max, I realized, okay, I have a tendency to bring down the room. <laughs> and so I'm going to make this comic like super bright yellows and pinks and like bright greens and, you know, crazy wild, like neon colors. It's going to be, it's just going to be an assault on the senses because I know that I'm just going to be like, wow, bringing it down with the, with the sad <laughs> stories. And so <laughs> that, that was the sort of like, that was the thing where it's like, I, I realized what I had to offer, but then I also realized, um, how to counterbalance that, you know, how to, how to sort of co- uh, complement that with something else. And, uh, and I, you know, and I think that that's a step one of a, of a process hopefully, but, uh, um, but that was the same, that was the thing that I uh, that was the thing that I sort of had to come to realize. What, well, and I think that's I, such a sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, like yeah, that's it. Well, it's such a, a journey <laughs> of self discovery. You know, like it seems like through create. I mean, a lot of people that we ask, you know, what advice do you say? It's just keep creating. You know, what do you what do you suggest that we do if we have writer's block? Keep writing. Keep creating. Keep making something. And I think right. in your, your process of right whatever you need to do um but uh i think within your process of doing that and creating your own stories and creating your own comics you realized kind of who you were as a creator and what you could bring to the table and i think that's such an important lesson for people who are still on that journey of self-discovery and let's be honest it never ends um but Mm -hmm. you know really understanding what you can bring to the table and fill up the space with and i think that's something that's so wonderful about, about independent comics in particular is to your point big two, you know, you really have to have a certain something to fit in with that environment. But beyond that, with independent comics, you can write whatever you want to write. You can create whatever you want to create. And there is going to be a niche somewhere for you. Um, And that's what is so beautiful and extraordinary about indie comics. Yeah. Well, and I think comics in general have to start to realize that, like, 
there's a lot of competition like all the stuff that they had that that or you know all the stuff that they had that they're used to, used to not be competition for like you know you used to be able to be like okay movies can only do so much but i can have like you know the fleets engaged from alpha centauri in my comic book well <laughs> now the mo- now movies do that four times a year minimum you know yeah. like and then you're like oh but then we can you know we can really get into the characters oh well tv does that really well too you know like oh video games do that re- you know like all of a sudden you know movies tv video games all these things compete with comics now what do comics have you know like what are what can comics beat everybody else in and i mean a lot of times that's just originality because it's like it doesn't mm-hmm. cost anything to make comics to speak of i mean you know anything that the you know you if you blood sweat and tears. This, yeah i mean it costs blood sweat <laughs> and tears and the amount of money that it costs to make a, a pretty high-end comic is just like catering money for hollywood you know what i mean it's, <laughs> that's true and so like you can you can just take a risk and kind of go like yeah i'm gonna do this super weird comic and and all of a sudden you've got Rocket Raccoon and all of a sudden, you know, to make it, it's making a billion dollars for somebody, you know, not necessarily <laughs> the person who made it, but whatever, we're working on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you love most about independent comics? Um, yeah, I mean, probably that, probably the, probably the fact that you can just, you can create something new, you can create something that's, um, yeah, you, you don't have to kind of okay it with everybody you know like like it's not like i don't like to work with people because i do like but i i think it's i think it's fun to kind of to be able to say like well what do you think let's try it okay well oh you draw this all right let me see if i can letter something okay well let's you know let's play with that a little bit i mean it's it's a little bit it's silly it's crazy it's it's fun it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to to wrangle together half a million dollars to just get started you know yeah it's accessible. Um, yeah, and you of course it doesn't make any money on the back end either, but you know, <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> Support your local comic book shops and your yeah. creators. <laughs> kind of hard to do these days, but yeah. Hey, there's there's the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's the internet, there's Patreon. Exactly, exactly. What else are you working on right now? Is Kaiju Max kind of your main focus at the moment? Kaiju Max is is that I've got you know, I've got stray, you know, uh illustration jobs that that kind of like i don't have to seek them i don't have enough time to sort of seek them out but i've got a couple that i've kind of done for years and um and then uh like i don't know i've got uh i mean i'm I'm doing this um doing the the third edition of this book um and uh um i'm just you know i'm doing some planning for the next for the next series of uh of comics you know um after kaiju max is over because i because i've only got uh let's see eight issues seven nine eight eight or nine issues to go so well and that uh, was going to be my question too is is kaiju max done after this installment or after the next installment so yes i've I've got three left on the current season and then i've got six more and then i'll be done wow uh, how does that feel um it feels like it would be great to be like like i feel like it'll be it'll be very satisfying because it's like you know like i've got got enough time that i'm like okay i really want to i want to do this i want to end big i want to stick the landing and i and i think you know i feel like no matter how good a a, you know no matter how good a a concept is no matter how well you've done or know how much people like it everything has its life cycle and you just finish you're you're like it would it'll be nice to just sort of finish it off 
and go, goodbye, friends. I'm sure we'll see <laughs> you in a drawing somewhere or like right. a mini comic sometime in the future. But, but you know, it, it, we got to move on to the next thing. You know, it's I, like I, raising a child. Like you bring them up to 18 and then if they stay home for too much longer after that, it starts getting worse <laughs> and worse. Right. You right. still want to see him for Thanksgiving and Christmas, but like beyond that, right. you're, <laughs> you're <like>, done. <laughs> you, you have a car. You know, get out, get out of here. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, Can you tell us anything yeah. about kind of what you're thinking for what's next, or is that still a secret for well, now? I mean, I mean, it's secret from whom? You know, like it's just <laughs> it's just a bunch of ideas. But like you know, like part of it, part of me is you know, you, you're thinking about what's the, what's the future of comics, especially with like, yeah. with everything shut down for coronavirus. I mean, it's like, this is probably going to seem absurd in, you know, in a year, but like, who knows what the next six months hold, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we don't know what, what publishers are going to do. We don't know what comic book stores are going to do. We don't know what, you know, creators are going to do. Like it, it, some people are saying it's the death of the, the, the individual issues, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I don't know, like I kind of, in a way, I thought that that was going to happen 10 years ago, but it didn't. So I, so don't listen to me, you know, I think we'll persevere, but I mean, it is a, it is a difficult, scary time. Cause yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, or, or, <laughs> or will it transition, you know, like, or people are going to start just doing, just doing graphic novels or people are going to sort of serialize online and then, and then collect them, you know, that kind of stuff. We, we don't know. But anyway, so it's like, um, so part of me thinks like, oh, should I do, should I do like an OGN graphic novel or should I do mm. something that's like serialized in a sort of a non-traditional way, you know, that's on, you know, that's on social media or it's on Patreon or, um, and then the other big thing is like, for all the time that I've been making Kaiju Max, I've been coming to conventions and all these kids are like, Ooh, look, cartoony, like pink cartoon characters and monsters. <laughs> they grab it and I have to like smack their little hands. And say, <laughs> this is not for you. Right. Don't, don't like, it's it's super inappropriate. Like, you know, it's full of drugs. Like I had to, uh, it was in a a comic show in Paris. And, uh, and so this, this woman who is from Italy came up and she didn't, she didn't speak French. So she couldn't speak to the people who were behind me and I can't speak Italian. And so we both settled on Spanish. And so I could tell her a little bit that like, no, it's full of drugs and, you know, violence (laughs) and murder and gangs. And she's just, and she just looked at me like, this who is this insane American person who's in, who's at the Paris comic-con. I got to get out of here. But that's uh, amazing. Um, so, but like, so one of the things that I didn't want to do was like, well, maybe I want to do something that's more like YA or middle grade readers yeah. where it's like, I would love to have a kid go, Oh, that looks fun. And I'd be like, it is fun. You know, <laughs> there are no drugs or <laughs> violence in this comic. Right. I would love, I just love it. It'd be so great. You know, and, awesome. you know, and I think, I mean, it's fun. It's fun to have something where people are like, this looks really like for kids. And I'm like, ha ha ha, just try it's- it, pal. You know? <laughs> Go ask your parents. Yeah, but I yeah. So it it would be fun to do. It'd be fun to do both ways. Well, great. Well, we look forward to kind of keeping up with you and seeing what amazing things you create next. And how can we find you on social media? Well, I'm uh, Xander underscore Cannon on uh, Twitter and Xander Cannon, all one word, on Instagram. And uh, you know, I'm on I'm on Facebook, but I'm not really on Facebook. And (laughs) and um, I feel that yeah. Yeah, and that that's pretty much it. You know, I've I've got a I've got a Patreon. You can look me up on Patreon. Um and uh yeah, 
just uh, just here in the in the middle of the country, in Minneapolis. We got a little studio <laughs> called called World Monster HQ. You can look That's for that on, uh, on Instagram and on uh, on um, uh, Twitter as well. And we have I have a ton of there's 15 other artists who are all in there with me. Not now, but uh, <laughs> uh, but that uh, we get a lot of get a lot of people who are all doing comics in the Twin Cities, uh, all in this studio. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, it's really really great to have a good community. It's good to have critical eyes to look at your stuff and to go like, I think that that's the wrong color or whatever. And yeah, great. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, amazing listeners, for joining us as well. You can check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. You can also check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell us who your favorite kaiju at Kaiju Max is. Tell us how amazing Xander Cannon's work is, how cool his name is. I'm really jealous. (laughs) Um, whatever you'd like to share with us uh, let us know how you're doing in the comments you can also stay updated on our Facebook Twitter, Instagram and we stream on Twitch and post on Let's Play Uh, the intro is provided by Cranston and you can buy Kaiju Max at onipress.com that's O-N-I-P-R-E-S-S dot com and many other websites just google it Um, and please order from your local comic book shop if you can, if they're still delivering, um, please reach out to them. It's really, really important to support your LCSs right now. They need you um, because to Xander's point, we don't know what's going to happen and you may be the difference uh, between them staying in business or not. So heavy lies the crown, comic book fans. (laughs) (laughs) So come and join the gathering. Have a great week and G, 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 G. That was a nice echo in. <laughs> I know. You. I was like, I wonder if there's a delay when we say it. <laughs> Kaiju Max, 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 Max. Grand Geek Gathering. <laughs>